Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thanks, Louise. Give a round of applause. It's, um, I'm actually excited to preach today because um, I'm not going to be preaching much for the next month or so because we've got some guest speakers and we've got some, some interesting stuff coming. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to preach today and uh, I think it's a bit of a banger. I think it's a, a good message. I um, last I was actually meant to preach it uh, recently, and and we got some dates mixed up. So I've had this in my back pocket for for a while now. So um, I'm I'm going to get into it. Yeah, like um, I hope you're doing well. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hope you're doing well. If you're married to them or uh, uh, you, you're the partner, just talk to someone else instead. You know. You got 30 seconds. Say, ask them how they're doing. What I love about what I love about the church is how many moving pieces there are. That there's people who um, people that will not be here, but they're still with us in spirit. Yeah, and I think it's always good for us to remember how big the church actually is, and how, like Louise just shared, the impact that we have by just loving people with the love of God. I think it's so special. And I think, like, what we've been talking about is the heaven on earth, this idea of what does heaven on earth actually look like. And Dave and Molly have preached some awesome messages recently. And it's it's funny, like, I'm not an insecure person, but it's always like, it's a, it's a hard act to follow when someone brings, like, an absolute banger, and you're like, okay, I've got to preach next. You know, it's like one of these things where you're like, all right, but the thing is, we all work together, and we're all growing, and we're all heading the same way. We all want to represent God. We all want to reflect Jesus. And we all want the people in this world to know the love of God like we know the love of God. That's why I do what I do. I feel called to this because I want people to know the truth of God and the principles that help us live a life that is indicative of heaven on earth. Because kingdom of heaven, the principles of, the, of heaven are a fundamental truth or prepositions that serve as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior for, for a chain of reasoning. So we are asking the question, what are the fundamental truths of heaven that can serve as the foundation for how we live on earth? You know how you go through life and you're just like, how do I live? How do I respond to that? You're like, how do I, how do I vote? You know, all these sort of things. You know, you, you look at all these social etiquette issues. And it's like, do I go Daddy Mark? Do I go someone else? Like, do I, how do I live my life? How do I treat that person? How do I respond? And that's what we have to look to heaven. We have to look to the things of heaven. And so one of the fundamental truths that I believe, and it's been on the screen, so it's no surprise, is one of the fundamental truths for us to live 
and represent heaven well, I believe, is that we are people who find freedom through forgiveness. One of the things I want to touch on with forgiveness is that it is an essential part of our Christian walk, but I think it is an action that is increasingly being removed from its original meaning. What I mean by that is if we were to look at what heaven on earth would look like, I don't think that holding grudges would be something that people would imagine heaven would look like. Imagine at the end of this all, we got to heaven and you walked up and you saw Dale from high school. You're like, Dale's here. Imagine if you got to heaven. How disappointing would it be? I don't, there's no Dale. I try to find a name. But it's like, imagine, just think, Dale is that picture. Imagine we got to heaven and Dale was there. I don't think that's what God intended. I don't think, and heaven's not wrong. We're wrong. We're, we shouldn't have, Dale is, anyway, classic Dale. I don't think that being bitter towards others would be something that would, we would hope exists in eternity. But forgiveness is so important, so essential, so central to living a full life that God didn't make forgiveness an option but a command. Don't you hate it when God knows better than you? And God's like, do it. And you're like, you don't know me, God. And God's like, I know you, I made you. And you're like, forgiveness isn't actually an option. It is an option. But, but it's a command that is made for our betterment. So I want to make a distinction here because so often when we talk about forgiveness, and I've, I've preached on forgiveness many times, I want to take it a step further today. I don't want to just talk about forgiveness and talking about, oh, you know, like it's, uh, I know you've been hurt, because we all have been hurt, and I acknowledge we all have been hurt by other people. I don't want to just talk about that. I want to talk about the next step. I want to talk about freedom. I want to talk about freedom through forgiveness. Because so often what we do when we talk about forgiveness is we talk about the action of forgiveness the whole time instead of emphasizing the importance of our freedom. What I mean by that is if you want to live free, forgiveness is the key. If you want to live free, honestly, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but it's, it's great. If you want to live free, forgiveness is the key. If you want to live in God's will, you will forgive. If you want the rest of your life to resemble Jesus, forgiveness will move from being this daunting mountain in front of you to a bridge that overcomes the gap between who you are and who you have been called to be. (sighs) Ouch. There's a difference between living forgiven and living free. Did you know that there is a difference between living forgiven and living free? We have been reading this, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Our Father, if you know it, well, just say it with me, it's still for fun. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Anyway. It was in bold. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So this, is, this was written by a theologian, this commentary by a theologian named Clark. He, he says, sin is represented here under the notion of a debt. 
And as our sins are many, they are called debts. God made man that he might live to uh, to his glory and gave him a law to walk by. And if when he does anything that tends not to glorify God, he contracts a debt with divine justice. What we recognize here is that Jesus is saying this in Matthew 6. So Jesus is yet to die. He's yet to die for our sins. But what he's trying to get a point is across, uh, is a, get across here is a point. He's yet to die on the cross to pay all these debts. So Jesus is highlighting the need that humanity has, that they would be free from the debt of sin. The only way that you can be free is for the debt to be paid or to be forgiven. If you were to go to a bank and you have a mortgage, the only way that your mortgage would be paid off is if you paid it off. Or the bank says, we're feeling good today. We're going to wipe your mortgage for you. That's the only two ways that you will get your debt paid. The thing is, who is the debt paid to? The debt of sin is not paid to Satan. As much as we would like it to be, the debt of sin is paid to God. Why? Because humanity contracted a debt with divine justice when humanity sinned. Sin indebted humanity to God. Not to Satan, not to the world, not to the enemy, but to God. Have you ever thought about that? That your sin was indebted to God. So what, God, why don't you just wipe it away? You know, I've racked up my credit card, God, but you love me. Why don't you just wipe my credit card debt away? I've wasted money. I've sinned. I've done all these things. God, why don't you just wipe it away? Why don't you just forget it, God? You know, I think this is what we have to understand. Why doesn't God just forget sin? Or why didn't, rather, God forget the sin? Why didn't God just brush it under the carpet and say, so good? Because God, get this, get this, God is a God of justice. God is a God of justice. What and and this is something we have to look. If you've ever seen Judge Judy or you've seen some sort of trial and you've seen the judge there, the judge is there to make a just decision. A just decision. And we call God a just judge. What judge would allow someone to commit a crime and then let them go unpunished? He or she wouldn't be a judge for very long, I wouldn't think. So for God to just wave his hand regarding sin and say, forget about it, would not be judgment at all. God is just. He's not forgetful. God pardons whom he wills to pardon, but he pardons only those who have trusted in his son, Jesus Christ. So the judgment we had coming for being lawbreakers was placed upon Christ at the cross. So God just couldn't look the other way while humans indiscriminately broke his law. But what God did, instead of holding uh, us to our debts, Jesus, who was God, come flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with God, and nothing was created without Him. The Word is Jesus. Jesus is the the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. That's one of our foundational truths, that Jesus came from heaven to earth. God came from heaven to earth in the form of Jesus. 
and he lived a sinless life, then paid the price of debt through sacrificing his unblemished life on the cross. So guess what God did? God paid the debt to himself. Then he forgave you and released you from the punishment of being unable to pay that debt. Let's take a moment to drink that in and think about forgiveness. Jesus, in the form, God in the form of humanity, talks about in Philippians 2.5 that he made himself lower than a, than a servant, more than a slave. He came in the form, formerly the Greek word for something that contained God. God was contained in the form of a human, lived a sinless life, and paid your debt. It's like, it's like someone coming up and just paying off your mortgage and just saying, hey, just all you need to do is receive it. All you need to do is receive it. Jesus came and he paid the price that we could not. So what we have to understand and start grasping is that forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness is not a small thing that we've kind of made it. Like we, we say it in church now, and I want to I wanna kind of go back on things I've said in the past and say that we say, we say things like, oh, for, forgive, but don't forget. We say things like, oh, it's, forgiveness is better for you than it is for them. We make these real small, whimsical statements about forgiveness without realizing that forgiveness is huge. And we can't minimize it to this place of being like, it's better that you forgive than you f- than forget. All right? What I'm saying is that we need to take a step back and look and say, if we were not forgiven, we would not have the ability to forgive. If we were not forgiven first, we would not have the ability to forgive. And we go into Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you did not forgive other trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is something that we don't understand. And so we just glaze over it and be like, ah, God forgave me, I'm good but I don't have to forgive other people because I don't feel like it right now. The importance of forgiveness. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Forgiveness is required for those who have been forgiven. We are not given the luxury of holding on to our bitterness towards other people. John Stott, he wrote the book called uh, The Cross of Christ. Fantastic book. He says, Once our eyes have been opened to the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, on the other hand, we have an exaggerated view of the offenses of others, it proves that we have minimized our own. Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus has much more to say about forgiveness. It's throughout the Bible, but the emphasis here is on the imperative of forgiveness on the fact that it is not an option, it is a command. And when he is saying, what he's saying here, this is something called hyperbole. Hyperbole is the exaggeration of a point to get it across. Because Jesus forgives you. You are forgiven. But he's trying to make a point in saying that, yes, you're forgiven, but if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. It's kind of trippy because we're like, well, will you forgive me or not forgive me? This is hyperbole. 
Jesus on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. You are forgiven, yes. But the imperative, the hyperbole of it is, I'm going to shock you a little bit. And I'm going to tell you stories that make you kind of think, ah, maybe forgiveness is an important thing. Like I was saying, I recognize that you have, may have been hurt. And this is something that I do understand. And th- if this sounds harsh, I apologize. But I've been hurt too. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by people close to me. What I want us to understand, though, is it's not about the idea of just forgiveness. It's about the idea of your freedom. I'm more worried about your freedom than I am about your willingness to forgive. God is more worried about your freedom than He is about your willingness to forgive. What do I mean by that? Forgiveness is a tool a pathway to transformation. Forgiveness is a pathway to finding freedom in your life that you haven't had before. So I sat on this for a couple of weeks, so it got real juicy. God's forgiveness is predicated on faith in Jesus. So your forgiveness is found when you receive, when you have faith in Jesus Christ. But the fullness of your freedom is found in your willingness to live a life of forgiveness. I want to highlight to you, like I said, you may have been forgiven, but you may not be living free. If I was to give you maybe 30 seconds and you were to really think about it, would you think you'll be able to find someone that you haven't forgiven this week or this month or this year? And you're just holding on, just saying, I'll forgive them one day. Maybe one day. Oh, I don't, I don't like them that much, so they don't deserve my forgiveness. If I was to give you 30 seconds, I think you would be able to find someone. But the question is, is it, is it, more wor- is it worth more holding on to your unforgiveness than finding fuller freedom? Who wants freedom in their life? Who wants more freedom in their life from bitterness and pain and hurt? So, who knows the book of Proverbs? Hands up. The book of Proverbs is known as something called wisdom literature. And when there's something called wisdom literature, you should read it. Because it tells you how to be wise. When I was 18, I remember reading that Solomon had the option from God. God wanted to honor Solomon. So he said, what do you want? You can have anything in this world. And Solomon said, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. So from that day on, I said, God, give me wisdom. And I'm still waiting for it, but it's coming as I read the Proverbs. A.K.A. wisdom about how to live a godly life. Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. If we were to put this verse into an example, we would see that duplicity could be someone who receives forgiveness from God, yet refuses to forgive others. Forgiveness, if I say that I'm a, forgiving per- I'm a forgiven person, then it means that I must be willing to forgive. If I say, I know the f- I am forgiven God, thank you for the cross, yet I go to my brother or my sister, and I say, I don't like that Facebook post. 
Or that photo, I looked fat in that photo that you tagged me in. Or I don't like how you talked to me or how you treated my family. I don't like that. If we were to say, God, thank you for the cross. Yes. And we've all had moments like that where we're like, oh, this is awesome. Yet we walk on out, and there's a, there's a parable about this somewhere. We walk on out and we just say, yeah, actually, you hurt me so badly, you don't deserve my forgiveness yet. That's duplicity. That's duplicity. But we can change it. We can change. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Other versions say the foolish, but the simpleton's a little bit more straight to the point. But prudence sees danger ahead on the path that someone is following and makes changes. But foolishness stays true to the path and faces the consequences. So in Proverbs 22, 3, precautions are not drastic changes, but acting wisely in preparation. Precautions, acting wisely in preparation. Small adjustments, small changes, small habitual reformations. Wisdom tells us to make small adjustments along the way. Question. Is it easier to pay off $150 in credit debt or $15,000 in credit debt? What's easier? $150. All right, sweet. That's good. Is it easier to lose one kilogram a week over 11 weeks or 11 kilograms in one week? One kilogram a week over 11 weeks. And this one hit, hit, my, hit me in the heart. An arrow pierced my heart. Is it easier to mow your lawn once a week or once a year? Once a week. Small micro-adjustments a lot are better than one big one. If you see danger ahead, change. If you're going, if you're like, I need to get off at South Street, yet you're in the right lane. Change one lane and then change another lane in preparation. Don't be that fool in the Commodore. You just, and sorry for the Commodore owners, sorry. Don't be that person. Make small changes along the way. Come on, this is good. Is it better to forgive constantly or to try and break out of a prison of unforgiveness? Is it better to make a habitual idea or understanding that if I forgive constantly, it is better than just building up, building up, and then one day I'm in a prison? Because the thing is, I might be living forgiven through Jesus Christ, but I'm not living free because I'm not forgiving. And I'm in a prison of unforgiveness. Proverbs 14 verses 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thoughts to their ways, but the folly of fools is deceptions. When was the last time you gave true intentional thought to your ways? If your thoughts and your intentions are going the same way, you'll get what you want. 
if your thoughts and your ways and intentions, so thoughts and intentions are going the same way, you'll get what you want. And there's also, there's also a clear distinction between your thoughts and your ways. If your intentions are to be healthy, yet you eat junk food constantly, there is a disparity. If your intention is to be frugal financially, yet you can't control your spending habits, there is a disparity. If your intentions are to live forgiven, yet you are not forgiving those who have hurt you, there is a disparity. My intentions and my ways need to line up. I want to be someone who says something and does it. I want my yes to be yes and my no to be no. I want to be someone that says, I am forgiven, therefore I will live forgiving. I am forgiven, therefore I will live forgiving. So we need to recalibrate our intentions and our ways, bring them into godly alignment because there is a disparity between living forgiven and living free. Right versus wrong. That sometimes this is our filter. Our filter is what is right versus what is wrong. But when we approach the topic of forgiveness, we often look at what people have done and we decide whether they have done to us was right or wrong. And this is often indicative of our decision to forgive someone or not. Was it right or was it wrong? If it was right, cool. If it was wrong, uh, I don't have to forgive them. Well, not right now. You know, like, I can, I'll be willing one day, one day I'll, I'll forgive them because it was wrong. You know, I think that filter can be destructive way, a destructive way for us to make decisions. Because over time, if we use this filter, we will diminish the sacredness of forgiveness in our lives. While we were still enemies, Jesus died on the cross for us and said, you are forgiven. That forgiveness, I, I've talked about this, Megs and I talk about this, sometimes you just need to obey God and then let the emotions catch up later. Sometimes it is better for us to approach forgiveness and say, I will forgive, and then I might feel it later. But maybe I might need to forgive again, and I might feel it even a little bit more. But the f- God is more invested in your freedom than He is in your, will- your, your, your unforgiveness. Forgiveness is ours to give now. We have received it. Now it's our responsibility to pass it on. Question. And if you've bought a car worth this much, that's okay. Good on you. Is there anything wrong with buying an $80,000 car that will depreciate 50% over the next three years? No, it's not inherently wrong. It is not inherently wrong to buy an $80,000 car that will depreciate 50% over the next three years. But it's not particularly wise. Question. Will we not receive forgiveness from God for our sins if we do not forgive others? 
yes, we still receive forgiveness from God for our sins. Because that was a decision that Jesus made on the cross. He said, forgive them, Lord. They do not know what they do. Forgiveness is ours to receive. But it is not particularly wise for us to hold on to unforgiveness. Yes, we still receive forgiveness from God for our sins, but it is not wise for us to hold on to unforgiveness. Because a decision that is made with temporary thinking can have permanent consequences. If I choose not to forgive and over time I become bitter to others, I lose joy and my whole outcome on, uh, outlook on life can be impacted. Just because I am forgiven by God doesn't mean that I am living free. No one is exempt from this struggle. Megs tells me all the time, we'll be talking, and she's like, you might need to forgive that guy or woman. Just to muddy the water there a little bit. You might need to forgive that person. You might need to forgive that person. No one is exempt because temporary pleasure for permanent pain needs to turn from temporary into temporary pain for eternal joy. Forgiveness. If we're in a decision... In a moment, we say, oh, it's easier for me to not forgive right now. And then you justify a week later, oh, I'm still not ready to forgive that person. You might get years down the track and you've built this empire of unforgiveness. And then you need something massively dramatic to come and break you out of it. No one is exempt. Freedom comes from making choices that are consumed with permanence and wisdom instead of right and wrong. Did I, did I put that there? No. Freedom comes from making choices that are consumed with permanence and wisdom instead of what is right and what is wrong. Freedom comes from embracing the struggle of forgiving when you don't want to constantly. Forgive again and again. What does it say in the Bible? Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seventy times seven. I've heard it said before. If you've forgiven someone 490 times and you still hold a grudge to them, damn. That's impressive. But 70 by seven times seven is hyperbole once again. Forgive until it is forgiven. So the question I want to ask you as we, as we start to close up today is, am I living to be right or living to be free? Am I living to hold on to my right to choose to forgive or am I living to be free? Am I living to be at peace? You can exercise your right to be hurt or you can pursue peace through forgiveness. And I know, like I was saying, and like I was saying, forgiveness is a process. I recognize that. But uh, we're coming from the, uh, the, the focus of freedom here. We're coming from the focus of freedom here. You can exercise your right to be hurt, or you can p pursue peace through forgiveness. And this happens at varying rates. But my question is, why not now? Why can't I forgive someone now? Why can't I just forgive them? And then two days later, you'll probably have to forgive again. But that's okay. But you start the process now.
Another question. Am I meeting legitimate needs in illegitimate ways? Jesus, in Matthew 4, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Would it have been wrong for Jesus to turn stones into bread? No, he was starving. It's not inherently wrong to feed a starving person. Would it have been wise? No, he was being tempted and he was following God's call and voice. Inherent evil is not tempting. Let's think about that. Inherent evil is not tempting. No normal person wants to go out and do pure evil to the world. I, don't, I hope, I hope no one here wants to go out and just do something really bad right now. But to try and meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways is very tempting. I'm in pain. That person hurt me. I won't forgive them because it makes me feel a little bit better and I'm going to stew in my bitterness. It's tempting. It is tempting. Who's ever had a nice goss sesh? They're like, oh, I'm just going to, that person's not here. Did you see what they did? You f- Inherent evil. You're not going to go and punch that person in the face but you might punch their reputation. You might not want to wish evil upon a person, but you might hold on to unforgiveness because it makes you feel just a little bit more justified or better. We can practice constant forgiveness or we can constantly meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. Just because we're living forgiven, it doesn't mean that we're living free. And I was saying to you, a constant practice. A ritual is only as good as the function it's carrying. Practicing forgiveness is only as good as the purpose it serves, which is to be free. Forgiveness from God equals freedom from sin, but forgiving others equals freedom in life. Forgiveness from God is freedom from sin. The sin. Hamatia. Is forgiveness from sin is is what's that angst against God and uh, oh, what's that word anyway? Basically, we have something against God. We have a debt. We have this. We have this bitterness between. Well, no. Oh, what's that word anyway? Forgiveness from sin. God wants us to be free from this tension. This in between between us. And God has done that through Jesus. But now Jesus has said, God has said, the next part from you is to live a life where you forgive others because that will bring more freedom in your actual life. The freedom from sin is a noun. The noun of sin, it's a thing. Sin was taken off us through Jesus in place. But the, but the act of forgiving is ours to do. We want freedom in life. So what are we excusing today that we will regret tomorrow? 
Forgiveness may not be the nicest decision, but it is the wisest decision. Forgiveness opens us up to infinite possibilities because whatever is causing us to say no to God's instructions to forgive others may be restraining us from saying yes to God's infinite possibility for our life. So whenever you say, no, God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do what you've told me, there might be a yes that we're not hearing or an opportunity that we can say yes to. Our best life does not come from forgiveness alone, but from freedom. We embrace forgiveness, and the next part of our journey is walking with others who will help us find freedom. Through regular and intentional, courageous conversations, through open dialogue that points out our blind spots, through tears and grieving for things that have happened to us, through seeking peace together by supporting each other towards forgiveness. You know, real, real living, you know, Barry, that's not living, Barry. This is real living. Real living is found in centering our lives around Christ and other people. The goal is not to exercise our rights, is not to just live forgiven, for us to live free, full of peace, and embracing the infinite possibilities of God. I want to finish off with a story and then just an invitation. On the 1st of February, 2020, Danny and Layla Abdullah lost son Anthony Abdullah, 13, and daughters Angelina Abdullah, 12, Sienna Abdullah, 8, when they were killed alongside their cousin, Veronica Sacco, 11 when a drunk and drugged driver hit the kids with his ute while they were walking along a footpath to buy ice cream. Danny and Layla publicly forgave the driver and have advocated strongly for people to embrace forgiveness. They've actually started something called the I Forgive Day. Every year, I forgive. And it's something that that people around the nation practice. In an interview with Hope 103.2, Mr. Abdullah also revealed that their family's faith has shaped the attitude of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the core of our faith, he said. Christ forgave our sins, so who am I not to forgive? We choose not to have have anger and resentment and bitterness. Mr. Abdullah said that he and his wife wanted to model forgiveness for their surviving children. Three more kids. Kids don't do what you say. They do what you do, he said. So we choose not to have anger and resentment and bitterness. This is the biggest cross someone could carry. We're in a very bad place. We've lost our kids. We had to accept the unacceptable. You don't know what Christ's peace is until you forgive. Danny and Layla also said that they don't want to have a bitter household and that forgiveness is the pathway to healing and freedom. Do you want to close your eyes? I want to give you an invitation. I don't want a bitter household. I don't want my boys to grow up and look at me and see me 
bitter or unforgiving. I don't want them to do what I do. But I also want to live free because I know that forgiveness is the key to living free. So maybe forgiving someone today may seem impossible for you. But wisdom says to make a small adjustment. Maybe to be willing to be willing to forgive. Maybe to identify the pain. But then we do it again tomorrow. Then the day after. Then the day after. 70 times 7 until it's done. Your freedom is more important than your desire to be right. Your freedom is more important than whether someone hurt you or not. Come on, let's not let it steal our freedom today. Let's not let bitterness and hurt and pain steal our freedom today. So with every eye closed and every heart lifted up, I want you to identify a person or a thing or someone or somewhere that has hurt you. I want you to hold it up to God and I'm going to pray over that thing. Dear Heavenly Father, you have our best interest in mind. And even though this hurts, God, even though we don't particularly want to, even though that doesn't make us feel good temporarily, we choose to forgive. Come on. We choose to forgive those who have hurt us. We choose to put our freedom through Jesus above our desire to be right. God, we, you know the depths of our heart and you know the depths of the hurt that has happened to us. So we submit that to you and we pray that, God, that you would lead us through this valley, that you would lead us to a place of freedom. Because, God, just because we're forgiven, it doesn't mean that we're living free and that's what we want. We want to be free people, people who model forgiveness and peace to our children, to our family, and to our friends. God, I just pray that you bring healing to every heart. Lord, I pray that you give strength, courage, and boldness to those who are struggling to forgive right now. God, you're good. And we want, we want to know more of your goodness through your freedom. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Good on you. Good on you. Take the next step. Then take the next step. Then take the next step. You know, my life is a life of forgiving and being forgiven by others. But I want, I want to know more freedom. I want to know more freedom in my life. Hey, I know that this can be quite a triggering thing for some people. So if there is... If anyone's feeling a little bit um, that this is hit a, a soft part or a, a nerve, um, please come and speak to me afterwards. I'm happy to sit with you and pray with you. 
um, and we're happy to get um, one of the other leaders to come and join us as well. But apart from that, I encourage you, um, you don't have to rush off, but um, say hi to someone, go pick up your kids, grab a coffee and realize that this is a safe space. This is a place that, where God wants us to find freedom and to be free. All right, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to me today. I hope that you received that well. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.